0: Welcome back to the Guam Guy show. I'm uh, joined here with a very special friend we're recording in his home right now. Uh, This is uh, Juani Valdivia. He is also a freediving instructor like myself Um, but where he definitely one-ups me and then one-ups me even further by several degrees is he's also a competitive freediver been much deeper than me and he's also a doctor not just a doctor but literally a neurosurgeon. So he's literally a competitive freediving instructor neurosurgeon, and so that's a lot to, that, that's a lot to brag about. Wow, that, that's really awesome. So uh, like I said, we're here in his home. Uh, I'm in Florida at the, as of this recording, and um, he offered to uh, come on the podcast and come on the show and just talk a bit about freediving from a medical perspective, and uh, being a neurosurgeon specializes in the brain uh, parts of that. So uh, I thought he's been uh, he's been on a number of podcasts before and done some interviews and he got some really high level stuff really deep in the weeds. But I think it was a there's a good opportunity here to speak to people outside of the organized freediving community, just people who free dive for fun spearfishers. Um, people who've never taken a course for example and so we'll try to i'll try to keep them grounded <laughs> try to speak in like layman's terms we can all understand for the most part or or fill in any gaps so um thank you for uh, having uh you for coming on the show and having me in your home
1: thank you so much so nice to spend time with you finally
0: a, yeah yeah we've been chatting for a few years online and so it's very nice to meet in person uh, so maybe just as a recap for maybe people who haven't heard before um, about the mammalian dive response. And I'll, as an instructor, I'll go ahead and take the lead on that one, and I'll have you jump in on the end. So real briefly, when you free dive, there's some physiological things that happen in our bodies. One, our heart rate slows down, that's called bradycardia. Uh, some stuff happens with our spleen, and there's some argument on whether that counts as mammalian dive response or not. Um, another big thing is something called a peripheral vasoconstriction. So the blood vessels in our arms and legs constrict which is supposed to um, help blood pool in our torso to support our vital organs, and of course our head and our brain. So those are some of the things we hear about with the mammalian dive response um, and our physiology with our body, but what happens with the brain? Is anything happening with the brain during
1: all of that? Yeah, so there's literature describing increasing cerebral blood flow, meaning the blood flow to your brain increases during apnea, So apnea means holding your breath. Right, During breath hold, and that is uh, part of uh, um, preservation mechanism uh, for the brain to stay alive and to keep its architecture and memory and functions. So the brain tells your body what to do to keep it alive. Basically tells your body, give me more oxygen, give me more blood because I am important. And that's why we have this blood shift, blood going from your extremities to your core, the spleen also gives re, uh, red blood cells that are fresh and the the brain even when the uh, content of oxygen is dropping the brain is still getting enough because it's compensating with more blood flow more volume and more pressure mm,
0: okay. very very cool I've, I've heard it described as Cerebral vasodilation, is that a correct term?
1: Yes, it's yes. a fancy term just to say, a scientific term to mean that uh, the vessels on your brain dilate, they, they can get bigger and for more volume can come in.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, just real quick summary. So the blood vessels in your arms and legs will narrow and that will help the, the blood pool up here up here, and let the blood vessels up here kind of widen just to keep the oxygen circulating and fresh and give more oxygen to our, our, the vital organs, right? Correct. Correct. All right, cool. Right. So on the note with, um, with uh, kind of blood vessels and stuff, I, I heard your um, interviews with uh, Donnie on the Freedive Cafe, and they take a much deeper dive. There's a couple episodes already out, so definitely go check that out, freedivecafe.com. I hope I said that right. Sorry, Donnie, if it's wrong. <laughs> and you were talking about a bunch of medications, and a lot of medications we take um, we're, affect our blood flows and dilations and things like that. Um, maybe, maybe let's go ahead and start with the uh, ibuprofen. What, what does ibuprofen do in general? And then why is it a concern with, with freediving and spearfishing?
1: I, f- I feel like, in general, before uh, starting a freediving journey, or advancing into more depth or competitive stuff. If you're taking a medication, you should consult your primary care physician or a physician on site, in person, right? Mm-hmm. In regards to particularly ibuprofen, is, uh, it's called NSAID, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication. So it, it basically uh, prevents and, and halts inflammation in your body, but also has a side effect of uh, increasing bleeding time. And, and that can make you bleed more uh, in case you have any injury. Uh, in fact, if we're in my case in neurosurgery, if we're about to do an elective surgery, which you can elect not to do, mm-hmm. if a patient has been taking ibuprofen for within a week before that date, we we, we cancel it because there's too much risk to bleed for bleeding. So ibuprofen helps when you are in free diving specifically, when you're having some back pain, some joint pain, perhaps some inflammation in the sinuses, etc. But taking too much, I believe personally, would be a risk in case you get a tracheal squeeze, what we call upper tra- or re- or respiratory bar trauma, or lung trauma. because if you bleed this amount in bar trauma with ibuprofen on board, with increasing bleeding time, you can bleed more. Mm-hmm. That can turn into a bigger problem. So I would be very careful using that, too much of that or, or every day when you're doing free
0: so if you haven't heard of a trachea squeeze before, this is a phenomenon that happens really just to breath hole diving to free diving. Um, there's certain things that can happen where you will literally like cough up blood from your throat. And this is if you're diving improperly, you make certain mistakes, go past your limits. Um, we talk about these in courses, but basically you just don't wanna stretch your neck like that because the air inside your throat is compressing. And if you're forcefully stretching that, it's really easy to tear it a little bit. Um, and, and force blood to come out. And so if, if I'm understanding that correctly, ibuprofen, um, just not to name drop brand names, but like Advil is a common one, right? So the side effect of that is it increases bleeding time or blood flow during bleeding time, one or the other? Is that well, right? It,
1: it, it halts uh, the um, coagulation process, let's oh. put it that way. And okay. that's why your platelets are not able to act properly to form a clot. To mm-hmm. stop bleeding, okay, and uh, that's in layman terms. And uh, I feel like it's a great medication to for just regular training, perhaps, and to avoid pain. But um, when that's mixed with injury, mm-hmm. where any type of brow trauma uh, or cutting yourself, mm-hmm. the rocks or right? anything, it's it can be problematic.
0: So. And it's such a it's so sensitive. You will not do a an elective surgery if someone has it within a week. In my
1: case i't uh-huh. i wouldn't do it cool. and its it's It's not uncommon to take that decision because there is if the risk is too high, then we'd rather not mm-hmm. and it, everything in in surgery, just like in freediving, is about risk assessment and mm-hmm. risk mitigation yeah.
0: Man, like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but Advil is delicious. So <laughs> they have like a little candy coating or something on there. Um, and I don't usually hesitate to take it when I have like a headache or just something hurting. So, um, but just as a regular lifestyle and there's no bleeding happening or anything, you wouldn't, it's, it's, it's okay to take it when you need it, yes?
1: I mean, yes, it's just, a, it's, it has so much history of being good for um, inflammation and pain. But we are talking about free diving and putting your body through uh, a physical and mental stress that is not common, Mm -hmm. it's not a daily, uh, it's not made for it perhaps in many ways. So um, I would just be very careful with that You know, I'm rather conservative. So Mm -hmm. I would avoid taking over, definitely over 800 milligrams if you're an adult and even taking that much before doing a depth dive where you have a risk of injury, Mm -hmm. that is, that would be my concern for me particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said,
0: don't take more than like 800 milligrams, but that's an already prescription level dose. So I think the bottle tells you you can take up to 400 milligrams at a time. Um, so I, I, uh, I guess that makes that pretty easy. Um, yeah, just take it when you need it. Don't take it if you don't have to. Um, definitely don't take it to free dive, I would say. Um, is that something I might tell my students? Don't take Don't take medicine to dive. Like, uh, heal up if you have to heal up first. You,
1: yeah, you're not supposed to uh, practice with the expectation of taking something to free dive. I don't think that's that's a good, you know, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be good advice. Okay. I would say the opposite, actually. Free diving is something that, when it's done safely, it's very enjoyable, injur- injury-free. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not risk-free, but injury-free. And that's how we're supposed to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, Another thing you talked about was diuretics. What are diuretics?
1: Diuretics are medications that make you uh, eliminate excess of uh, water through urine. And if you're taking any of those, I will be mindful. You you may want to ask your, your, again, your primary care physician or your uh, internal medicine doctor, because. If you are taking those medications and then you're going to do in depth dive sessions where you will be having more diuresis mm-hmm. because of the diet reflex and perhaps getting dehydrated, then that may uh, dehydrate you even more. And that's risk. It's well known to to be uh, at risk of dehydration after or during depth sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on top of that, if you're taking a medication that will enhance it, it's it's of great concern. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my, my recommendation is to, to see someone in person professionally that can advise you better.
0: Oh, so just, just a fun fact here. Um, you ever go into the pool or step into the water and then you immediately need to pee? You know, There's a reason for that and it's actually part of the mammalian dive mm-hmm. response we were talking about. So like I said, the blood kind of pools into your core, right? And that also has the effect on your either, I don't know if it's your bladder or your kidneys, but it's saying, hey, suddenly there's too much water, we need to pee. And so that's why you need to pee whenever you get wet. And so a diuretic, and that's actually called immersion diuresis. And uh, there's medicines people will take to, is it help them pee? Or if they're having trouble peeing, why, why would someone take a diuretic? What what are some common conditions or something people would be on diuretics for?
1: There's a number of things. For example, um, moderate to severe hypertension. Uh, what is hypertension? High blood pressure. High blood pressure, okay. Right. Um, and heart failure, for example, when your heart is not at optimal capacity to pump blood in layman terms, and you want to give it less work to do, mm-hmm. and you want to decrease the volume of blood, so that's that's why diuretics are used. Sometimes um, pulmonary edema or excess of water on your lung tissue is treated with diuretics. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just be mindful. Those medications can interfere with your diving. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so the, the risk is is just being compounded because when you're in the water, we had have the immersion diuresis like I was talking about, I'm basically constantly peeing in the water. I don't know how most people are in the water, but I'm basically constantly peeing. So just by that alone, with a long enough session, if you're not continually rehydrating, if you're not continually drinking your water, you're, you're basically just slowly dehydrating yourself or quickly dehydrating yourself and adding a diuretic on top of that. Um, makes it just more risky because you're dehydrating yourself even more and faster is, right, that right. okay yeah i would be so, careful with that what so what is what is the importance of hy- hydration from a medical perspective maybe especially a uh, a brain doctor perspective like why what's I, I mean it's it's so immediate right we have to drink all the time uh but wh- what do we actually need the the water for
1: like water is essential for life mm-hmm. we are we're mostly water mm-hmm. and if you're not freediving, you just need an adequate amount of water per day to just function adequately for all your tissues to work. Uh, but in freediving, it's, it's even more essential because you there's many changes in freediving, specifically in the dive reflex, that have to do with uh, water flow, blood flow, changes in, bas- uh, in vessel size and diameter, diuresis. Uh, so water is essential. And that can mean the difference between getting injured or getting extra dehydrated or having some sort of kidney issue from dehydration or even, God forbid, uh, changes in your mental status like blackout, like we commonly call blackout. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Your hydration should be optimal for freediving, not excessive and not less than usual. Than normal.
0: Is, is there a recommendation you would give for... How many ounces or milliliters to drink per hour in the water, anything like that?
1: I, no, I don't have that number. Okay. No. just
0: Is it just got to go by feel?
1: Usually you should know when your body is asking you for more uh, hydration or not, but it's always recommended to carry your, your bottle of, of water with salts ideally mm. so that you have, you have something next to you. Uh, yeah, but i, I wouldn't yeah. come up with a number
0: okay i'll, I'll give you i'll give you one uh, <laughs> when i'm teaching a class of four students uh that is turns out to be dozens of dives for me and in that day of or half a day of teaching i will chug like a gallon like basically just because it's just so many dives one after another i'll drink literally a gallon of water during uh during a day where i'm teaching and so i'll chug a bit before we get into the water i'll chug some in the break and i'll chug more when we get out and like throughout and then that's that's just like the period around i'm teaching and the rest of the day and that evening you know i'll still be hydrating and so on so um i don't know i would maybe i'm a little more in tune with with that part of, of my, my my body's chemistry just knowing when to drink especially when i'm teaching but it's it's a significant amount of of hydration that we lose um, while freediving or spearfishing, and it mm-hmm. should be a, a fairly significant amount of hydration we're taking in just to keep up with our loss, and especially if um, we're starting out at a loss, if we're not hydrated when we enter the water, if we've been more or less dehydrated for days. Yeah. Um, cool. There's another um, med you uh, talk about. We have beta blockers and alpha blockers, um, what, let's, let's do the beta first, what's the beta blocker do? Well,
1: those are medications that in general uh, have effects on your heart, mm-hmm. on your heart rate and um, that's important to, to ask your primary physician because if you're taking uh, any of those medications, especially beta blockers, one of the effects of a beta blocker is to lower your heart rate. Now, if your heart rate is already low and that beta blocker can also lower your blood pressure. And then you're going to a dive yeah. session where your heart rate could even drop lower because mm. of diuretics, and you also become de- dehydrated. There is a risk of low blood pressure and that can cause uh, syncope of- uh, Syncope? Yeah, so passive, you know, losing consciousness. Okay, um, can, we, hypo- can, can we call that blackout? We can call that blackout, yes. Okay. Um, but uh, although you can also have syncope alone without being the free diagonal related blackout that we usually know coming mm-hmm. up and having samba, etc. You can just be so dehydrated that your blood pressure drops so much that you can lose consciousness, which is separate from blackout, mm-hmm. what we know blackout. So it's it's just important every time Someone asked me, what should I be looking for before I start this journey in freediving and pushing more and doing more? Is a look at your your past medical history, what conditions you've had in the last years, what you have now, what medications are you taking, uh, what is your usual uh, hydration uh, status, um, if you've had surgery recently, although that is important uh, before doing this uh, this sport, which is a beautiful, beautiful sport. But... I don't know if you want to call it a sport or not. but um.
0: it's, yeah, it's hard to describe what freediving is to like freediving practitioners. I, I, you could call it a practice. You could call it a, um, I think the closest word would be passion. I mean, unless you're a competitor, like in competition setting, okay, 100% call it a sport. But outside of that, people some, people just love to freedive. And yeah. I, I feel like it's a, a passion more than anything else. Like, um,
1: it's a way of life.
0: Yeah, I mean it can be for sure. yeah, it definitely can be for sure. Um, cool. What uh, what? Okay, uh, another another med. Alpha blockers. What do alpha blockers do?
1: That's the opposite. That that um, that's supposed to uh, inhibit or prevent basal constriction, so it won't allow your vessels to decrease in diameter, and that theoretically can interfere interfere with your dive reflex as well. So mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't. I think common sense is very important. And if, uh, being very cautious before freediving is extremely important. So any medication that you're taking, um, I wouldn't try it out and see how I feel during freediving. Mm-hmm. I would just consult with someone uh, before trying that.
0: So I'm going to just kind of be a little defensive there for a second. <laughs> so a lot of this stuff isn't really common sense. Like people, we... You know, if I didn't go through my courses, I would not have known about the mammalian dive response. I would not have known that there are some pretty profound changes that happen when we free dive, And that's part of the whole reason we free dive is to enjoy those feelings. Right. Mm. And so I don't I don't I wouldn't quite say it's common in common sense. People just think, OK, it's I'm just not breathing for a while and diving and that's it. There's nothing else happening. But I think that's what a lot of untrained or unstudied people would say. I probably thought the same exact thing myself. Yeah, I can tell you right now. When I started diving, none of that was on my radar. I'm just not breathing for a little bit. My oxygen's dropping and then coming back up. And that's as much as I thought about the physiology. And that's true. That's true.
1: That's the same for me, actually. (laughs) I I thought I was just taking a class to hold my breath and dive. Mm -hmm. But the more you think about it and the more I see incidents, including in my own that journey you having trauma here trauma there blackout here blackout there so you tend to then collect all this information and then look for prevention and i feel like mm. free in medicine at in 2022 should be heavy on prevention mm-hmm. if anything not trying new attractive esoteric you know scientific method methods but prevention is uh is is crucial uh, it's number one priority um so and i feel like it's always if somebody asks you okay this is my this is me and i'm taking this and thinking that thinking this and i'm not sure if i should be diving my pb today it's always safer to say no Mm -hmm. it's always safer to say do not dive then it's okay you can dive and hope that nothing will happen Mm -hmm. you know so
0: yeah i definitely want to come back to that um you know, danger versus risk and, and, and so on. That's something I like to talk about in, in everything, not just just freediving. will we'll, let's, let's come back to that one though. But if we, if we think about it, we, we experience physiological changes while freediving and we take medicines specifically, precisely for the physiological effects that they have. Mm-hmm. And so when we're combining those two things, which I, I, I don't think is necessarily common sense like that, I mean, obviously, it's, it's common sense that you're taking medicine to do stuff, but it's, it's kind of surprising how meds can a- affect us while, while diving and, and pop- could have very negative effects.
1: Negative effects. In, and substances that, in general, uh, affect your awareness mm. um, are, can be detrimental for your free diving, alcohol, tobacco, recreational drugs, um, they can definitely interfere. I would say if somebody asks me if that's safe to free dive on any uh, recreational uh, drug, or, yeah, I would say no. Mm-hmm. Would say no, yeah. So uh, free diving is it's a very fine balance. That one small mistake can lead to the inevitable, and that's what we want to prevent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, uh,
0: I got one more list of uh, medication here, and that's. Blood thinners, does that come under one of those other two things with the beta blocker, alpha blocker, or is blood thinners yeah. its own thing?
1: So we, we, I want to make sure, you, so this is not a statement of any, official statement of any agency, and there's no official statement in regards to that particular uh, class of medications. But if, I feel like, uh, if you're taking blood thinners, which uh, can be a number of things like platelet inhibitors or things that inhibit your coagulation factors in general. I will be extremely careful uh, with free diving because any um, incidence of uh, barotrauma that can cause bleeding, which can be ruptured eardrum, it can be tracheal squeeze, that we call tracheal squeeze, or laryngeal squeeze, or even, God forbid, lung squeeze it can turn into a bigger bleed and that can turn into more difficulty breathing and more serious issues. So I'll be very extremely careful. And sorry to say, I, I don't want to be too liberal on that. I would say, if, in my personal opinion, and this mm-hmm. is cannot, doesn't have to be shared with anyone, if someone asks me if they can dive I don't know, past 10 meters or pushing limits, let's say, uh, while taking blood thinners, I would say no. Okay. Yeah. You, have to,
0: you have to be safe. Well, what would someone be on a blood thinner for?
1: Uh, when they have heart stents, for example, for prior occlusion of an artery on the heart, mm. or to prevent clots on their legs, or to bring clots on their lungs, usually serious things. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, at least now, and I don't know everything at all, mm-hmm. uh, to me, that would be a contraindication to free dive. Yeah. initially at least
0: yeah yeah so this is here's why I think this is so uh, valuable and important to talk about is you know when if someone does take a course and I'm not trying to just sell my courses or anybody else's courses but if someone does take a course they have to fill out a, uh, a form they have to fill out some kind of medical form mm-hmm. and then if they have a yes answer that usually requires to um, them to or, or in my case always requires them to go see a doctor and kind of ask these questions and uh, mm-hmm. and get some answers but a lot of people there's nothing stopping anybody from going into the water rightfully so you know it's anybody can get a mask and snorkel and fins and just start free diving with or without a class and we've been doing that for thousands of years Mm. and so if uh someone is taking some or all of these meds then then they decide to get into free diving you know maybe everything will be fine or maybe they get good at free diving and good enough to hurt themselves When there's a combination of um, whatever kind of issues they're going through or condition they have, um, um, combined with the physiological effects of Mm freediving, yeah. So, uh, any any uh, anything else on meds you might want to say, or is that that fair? What I said
1: first? Yes, yes, it is. I feel like I have to be, for the sake of the community, I have to be extremely conservative on that Mm -hmm. because. There is 50%, just, it's, it's just as uh, probable that one will have a normal, very joyful dive, but it's just as probable that one may have an incident of any, any nature. And if you want to decrease your risks of having a complication from that incident, then you have to look at yourself, what you're taking, what you eat, what you drink, what conditions, medical conditions you have. If you've seen a doctor recently, That's really important, and Mm -hmm. it may not not sound may not sound very attractive to divers because you really want to have fun. Mm -hmm. But I have to be the how do you call it party pooper. (laughs) Sure, I have to be a party pooper and and take that stance because it's my job to try to keep the drivers the divers safe and alive. Uh, Yeah, (sighs) so that's important. That's important to take. It's important to look at it from that angle, Mm
0: -hmm. I think. And so you just said one of my favorite words and that word oddly is risk. It's kind of a weird favorite word to have. (laughs) Um, And we'll just contrast that with the word dangerous. I don't like to use that word because it doesn't actually mean much. It doesn't tell you anything. Everything has some level of risk and that risk can be managed or mitigated to one degree or another. Um, for example, people will watch some of my videos like my rock climbing. Rock climbing seems extremely dangerous and it can be extremely dangerous uh, or it can be extremely risky or it can be very low risk depending on if you've had proper training, if you have proper equipment that's actually rated for climbing to handle it if you fall off a cliff and you're attached by a rope, one rope that's holding your life together. and and we we understand these risks. Manufacturers understand these risks, and they make equipment um, to manage that. Um, so free diving is much the same. It's it can be dangerous. It can be very risky, or it can be very safe, um, depending on if you've had a uh, training, uh, not necessarily a class, although a class would always be best, or several courses would always be best, or if you just had a really good mentor who really knows their stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then just taking your own your own health into account. Yeah. So if you're taking any of these meds, then it just, it could in, it could increase risk, and mm-hmm. and so the best thing would just be to manage that risk mm-hmm. by speaking with your doctor.
1: In person. In, yeah.
0: in person, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, very cool, very cool. Uh, anything about managing risk? Um, yeah, I'm sure more of that will, will come up uh, as we continue. So, um, Another risk in we usually thought, think about with scuba diving is uh, the bend. So decompression sickness or decompression illness. Um, There's a misconception that it's not possible to get in freediving, but we, you and I, know that it's very possible and that people do get it. Yeah. Um, and not only super deep free divers. Like, have you have you seen any cases of freediving related? I wouldn't expect you to, with where we are. But have yeah. you have you, you you seen cases of decompression sickness from from free Yeah. Wow. Can you just des- can you describe without naming names, unless they're public about it? Mm, could you describe anything?
1: No, I mean, I can tell you in general that the presentation is um, there's neurological uh, symptoms and signs, meaning uh, you. You know, the diver would, if that happened, would um, complain of difficulty with any neurological function, like uh, moving an arm or feeling an arm, and talking, etc., or balance issues. So that the most important thing about all this, I feel like we have to make sure we're clear on not advising that freediving is risk-free. Number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Number two, in regards to your question about DCS or DCI, which is DCI, is actually DCS and/or arterial gas embolism. There's two conditions under one umbrella: this decompression illness. Mm-hmm. So, if we talk about DCI, the most important thing is uh, early recognition of the issue. If you don't recognize the issue and you let it linger, it can cause permanent issues, just like a stroke. If a stroke in a home or anywhere is not properly identified, I can give you permanent issues, or it, cannot be, it can be untreated and give you permanent issues or death uh, in regards to diarrhea-related barotrauma, uh, related to bubbles of nitrogen bubbles, DCI, then you have to identify it fast and soon. And how it's, it's and, and again, I use the term common sense, you don't need to be a doctor or a nurse or a medic or anything like that to, to know that this may be DCI. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of it. You don't have to be anything or have any medical background to know that. As long as you have some information, you can say, this, you, there are some risk factors for DCI. This may be DCI. Therefore, number one, you shouldn't die right now. Number two, we need to re-examine you or have somebody look at you. And number two, would we'll be thinking about going to a chamber. Mm-hmm. If, if you only know that that's a lot because you can save a life doing that um, and again there's a you can see that there's a publicly available um, mini neurological exam that I designed with a little acronym um, so if you run through that then you, you can it can make you maybe a little better identifying that if you say let's assume it's not that's an unsafe Mm-hmm. let's assume it's not this year so let's keep diving let's just hydrate some that's not that's not as, as safe as saying this may be an issue let's let's try to identify better mm. um yeah
0: yeah it, it's not something you know, I, I i actually met the guys who run the uh the recompression chamber on guam and they said they had not actually seen a case of someone having just pure free diving related only um, um, case of, of decompression uh, illness, um, but just to make the case that it, it's possible and it does happen, not just in the extreme freedivers, but let's take a famous example a famous guy, Adam Stern, hi if you're watching uh, national record holder in Australia and um, he had a case of basically diving um, up the equivalent of fisheye for our Guam viewers, that's uh, like 9-10 meters, about 30 feet deep and he was just doing like 30 feet for like two days straight. And he got bent from doing that, um, just from that. And so, and part of that is we usually will think the bends is associated with doing really deep dives, but it's not just that, it's also number of dives, Mm. right? Um, So sometimes we hear about spearfishers going out for hours and hours and they don't bring water, they don't bring much water and they're just doing dozens and dozens of dives. Mm. And so, um, if, you're, if you're watching this, yeah, definitely maybe limit it, take breaks, hydrate. Um, a- anything else you'd recommend? Maybe don't go out for hours and hours.
1: <laughs> mm, that's uh, my personal opinion is to respect your resting interval. Okay. Hydrate well. Uh, know your limits. If you can know your limits, which may be a range of limits mm-hmm. depending on the person. Uh, watch your uh, bottom time. Mm-hmm. Ascent rate, uh, and even even following all those, uh, you know, risk mitigation uh, measure, measures, you know, TCI can still happen, mm-hmm. and then it can be unpredictable. So mm-hmm. you have to be extra careful at, uh, at at those risks.
0: That's that's what makes it so hard, huh? Because for us, it's it's so so variable. With scuba diving, you get maybe a few dives in a day. Um, I personally know someone who was actually following her watch and staying within the the uh, staying within the limits, and the limits is right there on your wrist, wrist, and she actually got bent and had to go to the chamber. Hmm. Um, and so as, with that, you can actually see your limits. You're being told what your limit is, and you just try to stay away from that. With us, it's just so um, what's the word? Um, amorphous. It's just so messy because we have how how deep we're going the number of dives we're doing how much sleep we got yeah let's let's talk about that i know my limits and i like to call that a myth because Mm -hmm. i'll tell you what there's i don't think there's anybody more trained on the on trained than me on guam and i will tell you i do not know my own limits i have and, and your limit isn't just one precise spot it's a big range it's a field that you can trip in all over the place i would say i've done many over three minute dives and i've personally had a couple of lmcs so in the old days we used to call that pbo for partial blackout and i and I've, i've had that with dives that were around the two minute mark
1: you call it that pbo
0: um, when when I started freediving used to be called PBO um, or, at, or at least it did where I was partial blackout Okay, yeah, so um, I feel I feel like LMC is a, a newer term um, in, in the freediving world Or I, I took my first class in Australia ten years ago, and they used to call it PBO back then. Okay, so I don't know if that's Worldwide or if it was just where I was
1: first time I heard it
0: first time you heard it. Okay. Oh uh, <laughs> first time I heard it. That's what it was not not LMC but uh, so anyway Not just to like show off, but I've been, I'll do a dive to 100 feet, I'll hang out on the bottom for a minute or so and then come up. And that's not an uncommon dive for me. I love doing that kind of dive. Um, But uh, there was a couple of times I did do that dive and I had a very slight, um, what we call loss of motor control. So basically, not enough oxygen. Now, I'm going to check my understanding here. There's not enough oxygen getting to the brain, and the brain can kind of respond in a couple of ways. And one of those ways is it will shoot random signals to the body. So you get these little shakes like this or big ones. Uh, is that right? Is that one of it?
1: I would say, in layman terms, you get uh, not adequate content of oxygen in blood per part of brain tissue. And the brain doesn't necessarily shut off completely as a response, but it may, say, malfunction. Mm. And the act of. Uh, performing a motor activity, whether it's writing a pen or writing with a pen or, or doing the OK sign. Mm-hmm. It requires not just uh, your muscles. It requires your brain to remember the activity. It requires your brain to not only move, uh, trigger muscle motion, but also control and coordination uh, and uh, orientation as well. When that whole fine balance that symphony is not perfect mm-hmm. then it's like a symphony you know? either it sounds amazing or it doesn't sound good mm-hmm. so instead of doing the okay sign perfect then you have loss of coordination right mm-hmm. you have tremor or you miss the mark you don't grab your goggles you mm-hmm. miss uh and lmc can I, I personally feel like lmc can be either conscious or unconscious uh, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, you can be un- completely unconscious with complete amnesia to the event and still shaking. Or you can have consciousness and no amnesia to the event, but I still shake, which happened to me as well. Mm-hmm. Or the other, which I feel is, is I, it happened to me the first time, and I heard it from another diver where it's a, uh, it's a subjective feeling of LMC, but no visible LMC, mm-hmm. where I would ask a diver, will see, did you see me shake? they will say no, but I felt shaken. Mm-hmm. I felt I felt a little shaken. So it can be subjective, and I feel like perhaps it's arranged. You know, it feels if you really break it down, you may feel it coming, mm-hmm. and then you may be still conscious. Well, when it's visible, and then you may develop into unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that's true, but that's just my.
0: No, opinion. I I'm totally with you there. I've actually like I've had exactly two LMCs ever. And the 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 second one, I came up. I did my like post dive breathing. We call recovery breathing. And I felt like I had like two or three shakes like that. And I told my buddy, like, hey, did you see anything wrong with me? And he actually said no. And so, mm, yeah. even though I still felt pretty good, and and I guess it's a nice transition to to blackout, where or as you call it in medical terms, syncope, right?
1: Yeah. There's there's debate on that. I, uh-huh. I, there's debate that I have to. I don't have the last word on that, but. Let's call it blackout. Let's for just the call sake blackout. Of, uh, okay. Free diving and yeah, when I had this conscious samba or uh, awake samba, let's call it. Let's or or samba
0: is another word for LMC.
1: Correct, and uh, I felt I I thought that there was a boat close to us that came very close, and there was a big wave, and I felt like a like I was in a wake of a boat, hmm. and it was there was no boat, mm-hmm. uh, so it was me subjectively feeling the samba coming and that told me to do a very strong hook breathing etc mm-hmm. now that doesn't work for everyone you know it's not like that's your alarm sign no it's just the moment you're hypoxic your awareness and I learned this for someone else as well your awareness is already compromised mm-hmm. so if you have hypoxia underwater you better have a safety next to you Mm -hmm. it's not like it's it's time to come up no when you have when you feel hypoxia coming you're already in trouble yeah you better have somebody to take care of
0: you yeah yeah so i've never blacked out um but a very consistent thing i hear is people from people who have blacked out whether i know them personally or just online is they felt amazing they felt great Mm -hmm. um, or they felt like they were just getting sleepy and then they were gone. They were blacked out. Mm. And so it's another thing about the whole "I know my limits" myth is, you you, you really you really don't. you don't. The alarms may not be ringing when you when you're about to LMC or black out. They may or they may not. And so it's um, it's just another kind of nail in the coffin of the myth of I, I know my limits as a very precise thing. So. I never say I dive within my limits, I just see yeah, I keep my dives easy. A lot of people ask how deep do you go, how long do you stay down? And I say I usually try to keep my dives to less than two minutes. And that's yeah. that's still fairly that's cause that's cause that's that's what is fairly comfortable for me. So I try to I never push, I just try to keep things comfortable. Is, is that a fair approach, you think, or
1: Yes. I feel like free diving, the ideal free diving practice would be to be happy in every dive and successful, mm-hmm. you know with good self-esteem and just basically making your body, your body and your mind better with just setting physical and mental goals and achieving those goals. Every time will not only be good for your mind, but your body, you know, it's a good practice. It's almost like therapy. Now, in regards to your limits, I by no means consider myself an elite freediver. He is. No, I'm really not.
0: 230 feet, is that
1: your PB? yeah 70 meters yeah
0: this I, is I, how humble the community can be he's a bro. 230 foot diver and he says he's
1: not elite like bro come on <laughs> because it's not just uh, it's, not, it's not just the depth uh-huh. it's not the number Is that I don't anyway I don't consider myself that but if you're a beginner or you've had a couple years free diving saying that you know all your limits is to me I would consider that unsafe Mm -hmm. because I think that you need to know your body extremely well to know when hypoxia is coming in or to know when somebody's coming in just just on the threshold um, and to know when to act on that and I only have seen that or recognized that from afar on true elite athletes I know that they probably know their body so well they have had those experiences in the past that they know when something's off and the that end of the spectrum the elite free diving uh, athletes they have this whole routine because so they they know exactly how things even looking at speed meters per second timing something that i don't do that's why i don't i don't feel like i can call myself that so uh knowing your limits it's uh it can be deceiving you know thinking that you know your limits can be deceiving so i don't know how you think about that so you call it a myth so I, I call
0: I, it a myth I, I'll, I'm, I'll just call it a myth just because I've, I've seen enough to I have a I have a friend and a student and um, you know I've been with him on some I guess deeper dives and I've seen him dive for longer dives than he's done and uh, one time he, he calls me up out of the blue and he said hi Will and Lonnie by the way <laughs> he calls me up out of the blue and he's like hey man I just had like a, a bad LMC and uh, Lonnie rescued me and, um, I, and so I, call, I we're just talking about it and apparently it, w- it was textbook and these are things we learn in classes. And the dive was like a minute and 10 seconds long to like 50 feet or something like that. So 50, 60 feet, that's, um, not a very deep dive for, for free divers and that's not a long dive at all, but he was spearfishing. There was some stress. Um, yeah, the shoot, the shooting line got wrapped around some, uh, rock or something like that. And, so and the fish didn't die right away, so you're having to fight the fish. So not only are you having to um, you know, perform the dive, but you're having to do all these extra tasks. And if you think you're in your limit, especially for spearfishing, if you think you're operating well within your limits, when you add on the stress of doing all that kind of stuff, then it can take you past your limits very quickly while you're so focused on doing those tasks.
1: Yeah, your your 30 meter dive or 30 feet dive or whatever, it's not the same dive every time. Because I'll tell you something in medicine we call clinical vignette, you know, like this can develop into this. You, today, you did 30 meters, yes, the last week, and that was felt amazing. Today, you're sleep deprived, it's not gonna be the same dive. You were drinking alcohol the night before, not the same dive. You have been fasting or doing keto diet or whatever diet, not mm-hmm. going to see the same dive, so you you have to look at every dive as a as as a unique incident. It's mm-hmm. not the same PB, repeatable every time. may mm-hmm. uh, I mean, perhaps that's that's a little exaggerated and not very cool, or but you know it's safe. So no,
0: I don't think that's exaggerated. Like. Um... Like yeah, like like I think we were talking um before I don't know today or yesterday, but uh, yeah every every like even me at one dive to the next feels different. My very first dive of a session will feel extremely different from my second dive and feel extremely different from my third dive. And then if I'm doing like a deeper dives like hundred footers, my yeah my eighth dive is gonna feel really different from my fourth dive. And that's all gonna, and that's all just complicated, like you said, by how much sleep you've had, hydration, alcohol the, night, the day or night before. Um, did, I, did I say sleep already? <laughs> but I think that's what happened to me when I had my LMC's. I was just, on both cases, I just really didn't get enough sleep. And I was probably not at optimal hydration either. Hmm. So, um, hmm. yeah, in the freediving world, we have a number one rule. And the number one rule is never dive alone. You always got to have a buddy. Right. right. That's probably one of the. That might be the single best way to kind of mitigate risk of being in the water, whether you're free diving or any time you're in the water, huh?
1: Yeah, that's uh, biblical, As, <laughs> so <laughs> to speak. You know, you have to. If you pose that question to a thousand free divers, you can find probably five that will tell you that no, they can dive alone, and nothing has ever happened. But nothing has ever happened until it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, again, that may not sound very attractive or cool, but it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. I feel like I uh, there's something itching in the back of my brain that I, I wanted to 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 get out, but it's not coming. Um, so yeah, always always dive with the buddy. And oh yeah, that's what it is. So some people say yeah but what if i dive with the buddy and they're 200 feet away like well then that means you're not diving with the buddy (laughs) yeah Uh, so you gotta have a buddy and you have to have an active buddy um, situation and participation one up one down watch each other and then not only that but watch each other for a good 30 seconds to a minute after one surfaces because Mm -hmm. Um, is, is it fair to say like 90% of blackouts happen on the surface? Is,
1: I feel, I don't remember the number, but most of them, most, uh, in recreational free diving, at least, mm-hmm. um, happen at the surface or in the last 10 meters, because that's the area that's the part of your dive where the partial pressure of oxygen decreases the most in the last part of your dive, mm-hmm. um, and your heart rate starts picking up in the last part of your dive. Mm. Right?
0: So you're burning oxygen faster.
1: Yes, and it's well-known to most, I would say, uh, freediving instructors that if you kick the most in the last 10 meters, you're making a mistake, perhaps. You should just save energy, save oxygen in the last part of your life. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know, freediving is such a, I feel like it's such a God-given gift that we are we are already born with the mechanisms in your body to free dive. And what we're doing now is unlocking them, unlocking your dive reflex, unlocking your ability to have very strong bradycardia or basal constriction, et cetera, to free dive better. Not to gain a target or a time, but to enjoy it. I feel like we're doing that, unlocking that, uh, ability to enjoy our time in the water safely. hmm Yeah.
0: Have you ever had, had any patients from who've had suffered any kind of freediving injuries or anything like that? Uh, you, um, I, I, I understand your setting may not be, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't, um, just cause with where we are yes, and what we do.
1: No, not in neurosurgery. No, mm, no. Any I'm, interesting cases you've heard about? Yeah. But I sort of, but no, no, i am definitely my job is to try to give some guidance uh, remotely to anyone that could have a medical question in free diving, not advice, because you can't meet the person. So you cannot give advice, and definitely no treatment, mm-hmm. but uh, give some guidance on where to go. And definitely, I will have all the answers. So I will refer them to someone that does like an EMT or Someone, um, so uh, yeah, no, I I rather not bring up specific cases, but you know, in general, your your I, I call it your common suspects in mm-hmm. free diving medicine incidents are your your very popular um ear drum perforation or tympanic membrane perforation, mm-hmm. which I've had once. Uh, then your common squeeze, which can be upper or lower respiratory squeeze or bar trauma. And then, and then mental status changes and I call that mental status changes because not everything is a blackout Mm -hmm. and not every blackout is the same. Mm -hmm. Blackout is when you lose consciousness, you have amnesia. You, sometimes you, the diver may not even know that Mm -hmm. they had a blackout, right? Like my first blackout, I did the okay sign. I went back and then I returned. I kept doing the okay sign. (laughs) So I was not aware of that. Uh, So it's, it's a range, LMC. Con, you know, subjective LMC that I call I call it that. Then conscious LMC. Then unconscious LMC. Then loss of consciousness as, turns into blackout, which can be uh, a blackout with samba, or it can be blackout completely, loss of tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a blackout with trismus, with contraction of these muscles that make you chew. So that's why it's hard to open the airway. Mm. Uh, it can be a blackout with that we call it in medicine the cerebral posture extension of the upper the upper extremities with pronation. Um, what is that, you like stiffening or something? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a variant of, of your blackout, which you could you can find it on the internet. I'm not gonna tell you where or who, but you, okay. you can see there on videos. So, uh,
0: so, yeah, all this is very fascinating, and I would like to get deeper into the weeds, maybe. Uh, yeah, I'm off, not gonna go into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but no, I'm, I'm glad you said it all, but I think the important take home message there is, is it important while it's happening in a body system, what exact, which, where on the spectrum it is, or is it important that we're able to recognize anything that's wrong?
1: It's, it's safer to make things simple. Uh-huh. And simplifying things sometimes make it safer because the moment you see something that is wrong or that is deviating from the normal, your awareness needs to be higher and you need to recognize the red flags. like Just like in doing the mini neuro test, you're not, no, you're not going to diagnose stroke or MS. Mm-hmm. You just need to know if something's wrong mm-hmm. to, to get that diver out of the water, mm-hmm. keep it dry, and assess if you need to go somewhere, like a chamber. Mm-hmm. Right. Blackout, underwater, if you're looking at your body and the form is wrong and the speed is, is getting changed and the propulsion is changing, and there, so then you know something may be happening, so you may want to get really close to that diver as a safety, mm-hmm. and if in, on the surface, if the, their usual uh, surface protocol is it's not the same, then you know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So when something's wrong, you need to know at least either need to get that diver out, need to get that diver to the shore or to a sh- or to a chamber or keep an eye on that diver. Maybe get a pulse oximeter or call a medic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like raising awareness on when to recognize issues is 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 everything. Mm-hmm.
0: So. so- just to clarify you wouldn't go to the chamber for a blackout right unless they had some other thing or would you go to the chamber for a blackout no right? no so just for the if you suspect mm. neurological what's the word deficit
1: right so correct so okay if you're suspecting that there's uh bends or mm-hmm. dci dcs or ag then going to besides doing the initial management we're not gonna even go into that but uh, going to a chamber can be the difference between having an issue linger for a couple of days or having an issue linger for months, mm-hmm. and that's important. The outcome of the outcome of decompression illness or sickness uh, or gas embolism it depends on how soon you recognize it and how soon you treat it. Just like the outcome of a blackout in water. The main factor is immersion time, if we look at drowning literature and medical literature is immersion time. If your immersion time, like I said the other day, is long, mm-hmm. the outcome is not going to be that great, regardless mm-hmm. of the medical team. Mm-hmm. If, you're, um, if your immersion time is short, then the outcome is probably going to be okay, you know, so the diver's going to wake up fast. That's why when your medical, when your safety team is really good, like we've seen, recently in or just a blow. buddy
0: in a normal circumstance right when
1: they're really good at, at catching the the deviations of the normal and responding fast then you're more likely to fare better um,
0: um, and that, that's,
1: that's my a, opinion
0: that's a hard pill to swallow i think for for most people um because when we have a problem the last thing we want to do is admit it <laughs> we just want to be in denial yeah. someone comes up oh i feel a little off but i think i'll be fine i'm just going to wait it out but if if there's any, if there is any kind of um, neurological issue, it it could just get worse and worse. Is how, yeah. how, how, What is there a window that's kind of generally accepted if uh, where it's like 24 hours later if you feel sick, could that be the bends?
1: Um. Well, yeah. There's something called delayed or late onset uh, DCS. Uh, not that I've seen it, mm-hmm. and not that I have a lot of knowledge on it. Okay. But if you if you don't feel well, say it. Mm -hmm. to your body Mm -hmm. if you have symptoms right after surfacing uh, uh, then it's likely according to literature it's likely to be gas embolism if you have symptoms within the you know they can take 5 to 20 minutes to 30 minutes right after surfacing it's more likely to be dcs according to what i've read Mm -hmm. if you don't feel good then just say it you can either feel extremely and we're 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 breaking it down clinically if you feel extremely fatigued after a dive, it may be it may be lung bar trauma. Mm-hmm. Or it may be DCS. If you feel like you're numb in one hand, it's not going away, don't just walk it off. Say say something. Say something to your body.
0: Numbness in a hand. Yeah. Wow, okay.
1: Yeah. If you cannot feel one side of your face. No, don't just walk it off or just keep quiet. You have to say something. Um, if you don't if you can't speak very well, if you can name things that you're supposed to name like a pen or or you're having trouble texting mm-hmm. or driving or brushing your teeth say something to your body because that can save you from a permanent issue uh that i think that's a lot because self-reporting self-reporting in freediving if you're a diver it's it, it will be it should be encouraged it should be become more popular to express to your peers to your buddies if you're having Problems or a symptom where there is difficulty breathing, fatigue, dizziness, double vision, numbness, weakness. It's it would be much safer for you to report it and say that you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like if anything, if anything we can achieve in this talk is to raise awareness and have him, have people come out and say that they're not feeling well. Mm. That's that's where you start. Cool. And if
0: I could just summarize before we go. So most, biggest, best important thing is prevention, prevention, prevention. Mm. So that means being honest with your doctor, actually seeing your doctor if you have any issues, if you're thinking about free diving or you're already free diving. Mm. Um, Maybe taking a class or getting some mentorship from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about, whether it's a formal class or not. Like I said, we've been doing it for thousands of years, but we've learned a lot in that time. (laughs) And then the next most important thing is, um, you know, uh, I, I, I... i I guess responding quickly like responding very quickly if something does goes wrong whether it's oxygen related or whether it's decompression related is that
1: yes fast response is is crucial fast um identification of the issue is Mm -hmm. important and prevention yeah
0: okay yeah cool so uh, i saw you had a video i think on youtube and it goes through your protocol we've been talking about where you can kind of semi kind of field check. I don't want to use the word diagnose, but just give a quick evaluation. Anybody can do it to show if someone has some kind of neurological deficit. Is it okay if I include that video at the please, end of this? Please, please go ahead. Okay, yes, of course. very cool. Of course. Um, and uh, is there anybody you'd like to uh, shout out or anything like that before we uh, end
1: the episode? Um, I think to just uh, aid international for giving me the chance to learn so much from the other Professionals that are involved in the medical committee, and the, also to um, the uh, uh, U.S. The United States Freedom Federation for also giving me a chance to serve uh, under under such a important uh, organization. The USA team did amazing, so congratulations to you guys. You know, amazing in cash and in Turkey, and also to Ada Peru, my community back home. Uh, it's very small, but uh, we're doing the best we can to get an instructor in country, and I want to also congratulate uh, a good friend. I lent him my monofin, and he just did a Pan American record in pool in the in the Pan American comp, um, comp in Ecuador. Mm. He's from Peru, and he just did a Pan American record with the monofin. I I I just told him to just go ahead and use because he was back home, mm-hmm. and I'm so happy for him. So everybody in ada peru and peru and uh just everybody please dive safe dive strong thank you okay thank
0: you again so much for joining me um i hope we appeal to a uh, an audience who may not usually get to hear freediving related content yeah. and uh i'll leave you now with this video to kind of just field check if somebody might have a case of the bends so uh, thank you for watching, uh, thank you for listening, and especially thank you Dr. Valdivia for, for coming on the show.
1: Call me Wani, please. <laughs> I wanted to say it at
0: least once. <laughs> come on, come on. Come okay, on, all right, uh, have a good one, everybody. <laughs> this is Ginger, we think she might has DCI, so we're gonna go through the field neurological exam and just see how she's doing. How are you feeling so far?
1: Feeling all right, I think. Possibly.
0: Okay. Cool. (laughs) Uh, So our acronym for this is mask, fin, snorkel, CO2, M being um, memory and motor function, F being feeling and fine motor function, um, S being speech, uh, CO2, uh, C is coordination and balance, um, O is orientation, and the two is uh, two eyes. So we'll just go through all of that one at a time. Uh, So uh, I just said it, but what's your name? Ginger. Uh, what brand are your fins? They
1: are... Cressy fins. Okay.
0: Uh, what'd you have for breakfast today?
1: I had a bagel.
0: Cool. Uh, what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> Toyota Tacoma. Alright, awesome. Um, get your elbows out like this. Okay, try to push up against my hands. Okay, very good. Um, arms out, arms out like this. Just one. Okay, just try to pull my hand away t- towards you. Okay, good. Now the other one. Pull towards yourself. Okay, cool. Uh, Now push, push my hand away. Good, now push my hand away. Okay, cool. Uh, Grab both my hands, Uh, squeeze. Okay, a little bit better than that. Yeah, let's try that. Okay, cool, all right, cool. Same power, so that's good. Um, Hold your fingers out like this. I'm gonna try to close your finger, resist that. Okay, good. So if, uh, so like, okay, good, very good, awesome. Mm, Okay. Um try to extend your foot away. Alright. Other one? Okay. Uh, extend your leg out. Um, oh here. Uh, try to pull your leg back. Cool. Other one? Try to pull your leg back. Okay, cool. Um, uh, heels down on the floor. Okay. Um, try to lift your foot. Okay. Other one? Try to lift your foot. Okay, good. Awesome. Let's get this back on there. <laughs> okay, and just tell me if every how everything feels. Okay. Okay. Um, does that feel the same? Yes. Cool. Does that feel the same? Same. Okay. Arms out. Just go on the sides. Does same. that feel the same? Mm-hmm. Okay. Those feel the same. Yep. All right. Excellent. Okay, just copy me, do this as fast as you can. Okay, excellent. Um, now, try like this, as fast as you can. Okay, good, they're matching, same speed, all looking good so far. Um, here you go. I'm just gonna just check another thing with your fine motor function. Just go ahead and type something for me. The Guam Guy rules. All right, those are some texting fingers right there. <laughs> I wonder what it's going to say. <laughs> 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 well, so it's a all right, bunch of all right. so <laughs> uh, pretty close. <laughs> Let's spell check figure out the rest. Oh, uh, what else do we have? Okay, uh, count back backwards from 10 to zero. 10, 9, 8,
1: 7, 6,
0: 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Cool, all right, uh, what is this thing in my hand? A
1: cell
0: phone. Uh, what's on my wrist? A watch. What are these? Excellent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. What do the colors mean on a traffic light? Uh, stop. Go what color in. is which? Oh, <laughs> Green means go. Yellow means slow down or speed up, depending on how you drive. <laughs> stop or on Guam, it means keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, your speech is fine. That's what we were testing <laughs> on that one. Just your ability to talk. Okay. Uh, go ahead and stand up for me. Just do a sobriety test walk on this line right here. Okay, one foot in front of the other. Good. Cool. And back. All right, excellent. Go ahead and sit back down, please. Okay, almost so. I want you to touch your nose and then touch my finger. Do it again. Okay, other hand. Okay, cool. Um, what else we have here. Okay. Um, what island are we on? Guam. What village are we in? Manilao. Alright, excellent. Uh, how many fingers do you see? One. Now? Two? Now? Three. Excellent. Okay. Um, look at my look at my nose. Just stay focused on my nose. Do you see my hands? Yes. Do you still see my hands? Yes. You still see my hands? Yes. Okay, peripheral vision is good. And uh, finally, uh, just with both eyes look at my finger, just follow it all around everywhere. Excellent. OK. And that's it. Good job.) Ooh. <laughs>